بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the capture of the Persian general Al-Hurmuzan we mentioned how Al-Hurmuzan signed a peace treaty with the Muslims and he broke that peace treaty and revolted against the Muslims and the Muslims were able to take control of that land once again and Al-Hurmuzan asked to sign another peace treaty with the Muslims they signed another peace treaty with him and then he revolted again and then the Muslims captured him and they extradited him to Medina and we mentioned that when he reached Medina, he took the Shahada and he accepted Islam. Alright, now when Al-Hurmuzan's palace was captured, one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ who was with the army, Al-Sa'ib ibn Al-Aqra he entered the palace of Al-Hurmuzan after it had been conquered and captured. He entered that palace, this huge palace that's so beautifully decorated, that has these huge rooms and all of these designs. So As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra, he's going through the rooms of this palace, just looking around in the different rooms. And when he enters one of the rooms, he finds an idol. And this idol has arms. And one of the fingers on one of the hands of the idol was pointing at a particular direction towards the ground. So just try to imagine this idol. It has two arms and two hands. And one of the fingers is pointing towards a particular spot on the ground. So when As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra noticed this, he said, this doesn't seem normal. That it seems that this idol was deliberately designed to have its finger pointing at that particular spot on the ground. So there must be something that it's pointing to. There must be something there. This is what he thought. So he had some of his, his friends who were with him to dig up that place where the idol's finger was pointing towards. He said, let's dig it up. So they dug. And after digging for a while, they uncovered a huge jug-like container. So imagine like a big jug or like a vase. Right? So they dug up this big jug-like container that was filled with all sorts of precious jewels. Rubies and emeralds and diamonds and all sorts of pearls. Just filled to the brim with these pearls. So with this discovery, As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra, he told Abu Musa al-Ash'ari as we mentioned before Abu Musa al-Ash'ari he was the governor of the southern region of Iraq so he was in charge of this area so As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra told Abu Musa al-Ash'ari who was the governor of that land that I found this, this treasure of all of these jewels buried in the ground so he turned it over to Abu Musa al-Ash'ari who in turn sent it to Medina, to Umar bin al-Khattab, to do whatever he needed to do with it. Umar bin al-Khattab, the Khalifa, he could decide how it's going to be distributed. But as As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra was handing over all of these jewels to Abu Musa, 
He asked Abu Musa, can I just keep this one stone? There was one ring stone that was, that was there amongst all of those stones. And he asked Abu Musa, he said, as my portion of this spoil of war, as my portion, can I just keep this, this one stone? He asked Abu Musa for permission. And Abu Musa gave him permission because this is going to be distributed amongst the Muslims anyways. And he is the one who found it. So he asked permission to take that one stone as his portion of the spoils. So Abu Musa al-Ash'ari gave him permission. He said, yes, you can have this one stone. So he just took one stone out of all of those stones that were there. All of these different types of precious gems. He took one of them as his portion. And he turned the rest over and Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu, he had all of those jewels sent back to Medina to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. So when Umar radiallahu anhu received all of these jewels in this container in Medina. He called Al-Hurmuzan. Al-Hurmuzan is, is settled there in Medina now. So these jewels previously, they had belonged to him. They were in his palace. So Umar, he calls Al-Hurmuzan. He says, come here. Do you recognize these jewels? And Al-Hurmuzan looks at it and he says, yes, of course I recognize these jewels. And he looks through it a little bit and he says, but I noticed there is one stone that's missing. So look how he knew what he had. He can notice one single jewel amongst all of those jewels. He can notice that one is missing. So look at how sharp his mind was for these worldly things, these worldly possessions. He noticed that one stone missing. He said there's one ring stone missing. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, he explained it to him. He said, yes, that stone that is missing, it was gifted to the one who found this treasure by the governor of those lands, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari. He gave permission to the one who found these jewels to keep that one. He had asked for it and Abu Musa al-Ash'ari gave it to him. So then Al-Hurmuzan said, that man who asked for this particular jewel, As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra, the man who asked for that particular jewel amongst all of these jewels, he's very smart and he knows jewelry very well. He knows what is valuable and what is not. Because that particular stone that he took, it is not just a normal jewel. It is a very rare and very special jewel that you cannot find anywhere. So he knew, he knew the right one to take. So he was very impressed actually with Asaib ibn al-Aqra and his choice. Alright, then Umar radiallahu anhu, he gathered the Muslim delegation who had come from Persia. So remember, the Muslims, they came from Persia to deliver Al-Hurmuzan to Umar ibn al-Khattab and then a few more of them came to deliver these jewels to Umar ibn al-Khattab. So now in Medina, there is a delegation of Muslims who has come in from Persia. So Umar radiallahu asks them, he gathers them and he asks them, why have there been so many revolts since you took that land the land where Al-Hurmuzan was based, Al-Ahwaz. When you took that land, Al-Hurmuzan and his people, they revolted against you. Then you were able to retake the land again. Then he revolted against you again. Why are there so many revolts? What is the reason? Are you people not dealing with the Persians fairly? Are you not being just with them? Are you oppressing them so they feel the need to revolt? So Umar radiallahu anhu, look how he's taking his own people to account, right? He's a very fair leader. 
and he wants to make sure that his people are ruling with fairness and with justice. And he knows that if you rule with fairness and justice, the people will not revolt. If the people are dealt with fairly and they are not oppressed and you're giving everyone their rights, no one is going to revolt. Why are they going to revolt? So he was, he was uncomfortable with the fact that there have been already so many revolutions in, a, in such a short period of time. So he wanted to make sure that this was not from the Muslim side that was causing this. So he asked his people, are you, are you being fair? Are you being just? Maybe the reason why they're revolting is because you are treating them badly. And then the Muslim delegation said, Ya Amir al-Minin, as far as we know, we have only dealt with them in the fairest of ways. We have never oppressed them. We have never done any type of injustice towards them. We're giving everyone their rights. We have been fair. So then Umar asked that if you have been fair, then why is this happening? Why are they revolting? If they're being, being treated fairly and they're being treated with justice, then why are they revolting? So one of the men from this Muslim delegation, Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais he says, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I think I have the answer for your question, why they keep revolting. Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, as we expanded our borders into the Persian Empire, we expanded, we went to Al-Qadisiyah, then we went further than that, we went to Al-Jalwula, we conquered so many lands, and we went to a certain point, but then you ordered us, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, to stop. When the borders had expanded so much, you ordered us to stop for now, so that we could establish ourselves, and you ordered us not to continue with the conquests further down. So we stopped, and we are not going into new lands. We are not going further east into the Persian Empire. We stopped according to your command. But the Kisra of the Persian Empire, Yazdajar, he is still alive. And as long as he is alive, the Persians will consider him to be their king. And they will do whatever he says. Even though he has been deposed, even though we took over his capital city, even though he had to flee from his palace and he went eastwards further into what is modern day Iran, he's still alive. And as long as he is alive, his people, the Persians, they will have loyalty towards him. So even though we are treating the Persians fairly and we are being just towards them, if Yazdajard tells them to revolt, they will revolt. Because their loyalty is not towards us, their loyalty is still towards him. So Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais, he's advising Umar ibn al-Khattab that we need to neutralize the threat of Yazdajar as long as he is still alive. Then he remains a threat to us because he can continue to mobilize his people and he can continue to cause these revolts. So we need to finish him off in order to stop all of the revolts. We need to end Yazdajar by the permission of Allah. This was the advice of Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais to Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu So Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, my opinion is that you allow us to continue the conquest of Persia. You told us to stop at this point, but my advice is let us continue. Let us further expand our borders eastwards into what is modern day Iran. And we can take care of Yazdajard as well. We can kill Yazdajard and then 
the threat of revolt will be gone. So Umar ibn Khattab listened to this advice of Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais and he said, Sadaq, that you have spoken the truth. This advice that you have given me, it makes sense. So with this advice, Umar radiallahu anh made a decision to restart the conquest of Persia and to allow the Muslim army to expand further east. Remember, they have basically taken all of Iraq. So now he's allowing them to continue eastwards into Iran to continue the conquest of the Persian Empire. Alright, so while all of these decisions were being made, in the meantime, Yazdajard, the deposed Kisra of the Persian Empire, he was busy trying to form an army at Nahawand. Nahawand, it's a city in modern-day Iran. And that is where Yazdajard based himself. And that is where he tried to gather his army at Nahawand. And he was actually able to gather a pretty big army. He still had a lot of loyal subjects. And he was able to gather a pretty big army. And he was also able to gather the support of smaller kingdoms that had previously had alliances with the huge Persian Empire. The Persian Empire was the biggest empire of its time. Then there were many, many smaller empires, many smaller kingdoms that had allied themselves with the Persian Empire. So those kingdoms or those empires still existed. Those smaller empires were still intact. And they feared that now that the Persian Empire has been obliterated, then the Muslims will come and take our empires as well. So they were afraid of that. So they lent their support to Yazdajard as well. Because they wanted him to basically retake Persia. So these smaller kingdoms, they came in support of Yazdajard as well. The kingdom of Al-Bab, the kingdom of As-Sindh, the kingdom of Khurasan, the kingdom of, of Hulwan. So these smaller kingdoms around the area, they allied themselves with Yazdajard as well. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu, he is the governor of Kufa and the northern region of Iraq. He gets the intelligence from his people that yes, Yazdajard, he's in Nahawand, he's gathering an army, he has the support of these smaller regional empires and he's planning to try to attack the Muslims to try to take back Persia. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he writes a letter to Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu notifying him about these developments. So this is the situation, this is what's happening. Now around the same time, around the same time that these huge events were happening, there was an internal problem that also arose. An internal problem arose. Some of the people of Kufa, the Muslims of Kufa, they sent a letter to Umar ibn al-Khattab complaining against Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, the Muslims, some of the Muslims. They sent a letter of complaint to Umar ibn al-Khattab against Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. They said that he's not being fair with us, he's not giving us time, he is not allowing us to come and see him at certain times. So they had a list of complaints that they sent to Umar ibn al-Khattab. So now Umar radiallahu anhu, you can see he's dealing with the threat of Yazdajard, he's dealing with these, these military threats against the Muslims in Persia. And now at the same time, he has to deal with this internal problem as well. People complaining against the governor of the northern region of Iraq, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. But Umar radiallahu anhu, 
with his fairness and with his justice, even though he, was, he had a lot on his plate, he said that as long as there is a complaint, I will investigate the complaint. I will make sure that this complaint is investigated. So he sent for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. He sent for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas to come to Medina from Kufa. So Sa'ad in the meantime, he appointed a deputy in his place and Sa'ad came to Medina. So when he reached Medina, he met with Umar ibn Khattab and Umar radiallahu an asked him about these complaints. Ya Sa'ad, the people have such and such complaints against you. One of the complaints that they have is that you do not keep your doors open for the people at certain times. That they want to come and see you, they come to your door and you don't open it for them. Is this true? And then Sa'ad explained it to Umar. He said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, all day I give my time to the people. In the daytime, if they have any complaint or if they have any problem or if they need me to deliver any type of ruling or verdict, I'm always open for them in the daytime. So I spend my whole day taking care of the affairs of the people. But in the night, this is my time between myself and Allah. I want to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the night. But people still want to come even in the night. So ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I give them the whole day. They have to at least leave me the night so that I can worship my Lord, I can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in peace. And Umar radiallahu anhu said, Sadaq, yes, this is fair. If they have any problems, they should come to you in the day. They don't have any right to disturb you in the night. And then there were some other complaints as well. But Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, he was able to explain all of these things correctly. So Umar radiallahu anhu understood that Sa'ad was not being unfair to the people. That Sa'ad was a man of, of honor and a man of justice. And all of these complaints, they really, they really were unfounded. So Umar radiallahu anhu understood this. But still, in order to make sure that everything was correct and that everyone was satisfied, Umar radiallahu anhu sent Sa'ad along with someone else to Kufa. He sent Sa'ad along with an observer. And the job of this observer was to go to Kufa and to talk to the people of Kufa and to ask them, to go to the people and ask them about Sa'ad. What do you think about Sa'ad? Has he been just to you? Has he been fair to you? So Sa'ad, he goes back to Kufa along with this observer that has been sent by Umar ibn al-Khattab And the observer, he goes around Kufa and asks the people about Sa'ad. What do you think about Sa'ad? And the people praised Sa'ad. They said, yes, he's a, he's a very good leader. He is fair, he is honest, he gives us his time. So they had all praise for him. Until one man named Usama ibn Qatada, he slandered Sa'ad. He lied against Sa'ad. And he said, Inna Sa'dan la yasiru bissariya, wa la yaqsimu bissawiyya, wa la ya'dilu fil qadiyya. He lied and he said, surely Sa'ad, he does not accompany the military expeditions. He does not distribute the wealth equally and fairly. And he is not fair in the verdicts that he gives. In the rulings that he gives, he's not fair. So basically this man told three lies. He made three statements and all of them were lies. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas hearing this, he said to this man, you have 
lied against me three lies. So I am going to make three du'as against you, one for each lie. Now remember, who is Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas? Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas is a person who was mustajab ad-du'a, a person whose du'a was accepted. He would make du'a and his du'a would be accepted for sure. So this man made three lies against Sa'ad. He oppressed Sa'ad with this slander. So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu said, you have told three lies against me, I will make three du'as against you. One for each lie. He said, Allahumma, in kana abduka hadha kathiban, qama riya'an wa sum'ah, fa'atil umurahu, wa'atil faqrahu, wa'arridhu lilfitan. He said, Ya Allah, if this servant of yours, if he is lying, and the only reason he stood and said this against me was to show off to the people and get some type of reputation. If he is lying, Ya Allah, then I ask you, Ya Allah, to make his life long, give him a long life, and increase his poverty in his life. Give him a long life upon poorness and poverty, and make him a person who is tested by fitna. Bring fitna to him, Ya Allah. So this is a very powerful dua of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas against this man who lied against him. So what happened to this man, Usama ibn Qatada? He became very, very old. He lived a very long life. He lived so long that they said his eyebrows became so big and bushy that they would cover his eyes. He could barely see because his eyebrows were covering his eyes. That's how old he had become. He became so old and he was poor and he used to just hang out in the street. And any young girls who were ever passing by, he would like be winking at them. So this is the fitna that he became exposed to. So he became old and poor and he got exposed to all of this fitna and the people considered him like a, a lost cause, a crazy person hanging out in the streets. Right? This was the effect of the dua of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas against this man because he lied and he slandered Sa'ad radiallahu So Umar radiallahu was, was satisfied that you know, the complaints are completely unfounded and Sa'ad is doing a good job. Alhamdulillah. Alright, as for the threat of Yazdajard al-Nahawan, Umar radiallahu appointed al-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin radiallahu to lead the army to fight against Yazdajard in Nahawan. So he sent a letter to An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin and in this letter Umar radiallahu said, it has reached me that the Persian army of Yazdajard has gathered at Nahawan to fight you. When you receive this letter, this letter Ya Nu'man, when you receive my letter, then go with your army to Nahawan. Take your army, go to Nahawan in order to confront Yazdajard and the Persians. And he gave him some advice in that letter. He said, be good and fair with your soldiers. Treat them kindly. Don't make things difficult for them. And he also ordered the Muslims of the different cities in Persia to join the army of An-Nu'man so that it would become bigger and stronger. So the Muslims from different cities around Persia, they should all come together and they should join the army of An-Nu'man Ibn al-Muqarrin in order to confront Yazdajard in Nahawan. So Nu'man, now he has his army. 
they're ready to start moving forward to Nahawan. But before moving forward, An Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin sent three people first. Just three people to make sure that there are no traps that the Persians have set on the way to Nahawan. So where they were based to Nahawan, it was about a three days and three nights journey. So An Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin, he decided to send three people on that journey first to make sure that the path was clear before the whole army would go. Because if there's any trap or any type of difficulty that has been set, he didn't want the whole army to be destroyed because of that. So he sent these three people first, basically on a discovery mission. Go and check the path, see the way to Nahawan, make sure that there are no obstacles, then come back and report to us, and then the whole army will move forward. So who are these three men that An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin sent for this discovery mission. Three of the most renowned warriors of the Arabs. Amr ibn Fani and Amr ibn Ma'di Yakarib and Thulayha ibn Khuwailid al-Usdi. So these three people, even before Islam, even in Jahiliyyah, these people were known to be amongst the bravest soldiers of the Arabs. So these are the three men that Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin sent to Nahawan to check the path. So he ordered them, he said, go and find a path to Nahawan, find a path for our army, make sure there are no traps, make sure it's clear. And of course, this was a three-day journey. So the three of them set off together towards Nahawan. After one day and one night, Amr ibn Fani, he said, I'm going back. So he went back. And the other two, Amr ibn Ma'di Yakarib and Tulayha ibn Khuwailid al-Usdi, they continued forward. So Amr ibn Fani, he went back after one day. And Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin asked him, what are you doing back? I sent you to go and check the path to Nahawan. Why are you already back? So Amr ibn Fani said, look, you know, this is not our land. I am an Arab and this is the land of the Ajam. This is the land of the non-Arab. So I don't know this land. And if you don't know a land, if you go into a land that you have no idea about it, you don't know about this land, that land can kill you. So that is why I came back. So the two of them continued. Amr ibn Ma'di Yakarib and Tulayha ibn Khuwailid al-Usdi. They continued. After two days, Amr ibn Ma'di Yakarib, he decided that he's going to go back. He didn't complete the whole journey of three days. Traveled for two days, then he said, I'm going back. You know, I think two days... We haven't discovered any type of traps or obstacles or difficulties. I think that's enough. I can go back and tell Nu'man that you know, the path is pretty much clear. So now Amr ibn Ma'di Yakarib, after two days, he goes back as well. So now it's only Tulayha who is remaining. But he says, no, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to go all the way to Nahawan. I'm going to go all the way before I go back. So now it's Tulayha ibn Khuwailid alone. He continues the rest of the journey and he reaches Nahawan alone. He reaches Nahawan himself alone. He sees the army of Yazdajard. He sees their strategies. He sees their preparations. He sees their locations. He sees everything. So he gets a good picture of what the Muslim army is going to be up against. With this intelligence, he goes back to the commander of his army, Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin, and he tells him, okay, the path is clear. There's no traps. There's no obstacles between us and Nahawan. So now Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin, he said, okay, let us move forward. So now he orders the whole army to move forward and go, go towards Nahawand to confront Yazdajard and 
his army. So he prepares the army, the front, the back, the right flank, the left flank, the middle. He, com he, he appoints, he appoints a soldier or a leader in every position of the army. So in the front, in the muqaddimah, he appoints his own brother, Naim ibn al-Muqarrin. Now this family, the Muqarrin family, it's a family of, of brave warriors, brave knights. So in the front here, An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin appoints his own brother, Naim ibn al-Muqarrin. On the right flank, he appoints as the leader, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, one of the great companions of the Prophet On the Maysara, on the left flank, he appoints another one of his brothers, Suwaid ibn al-Muqarrin, in the Mu'akhirah, in the back, he appoints Mujashi' ibn Mas'ud. And in the front of the Muqaddimah, the Muqaddimah is the front, but in the front of them, he appointed the great warrior Qa'qa' ibn Amr al-Tamimi So these are very brave soldiers, very brave warriors that he appoints at the head of each section of the army and they move forward towards Nahawan. And also Umar sent support from Medina as well. Because this is going to be a big fight against Yazdajab. So Umar he sent support from Medina as well under Mughira ibn Shu'ba. He sent support under the great Sahabi Mughira ibn Shu'ba. And if you remember Mughira ibn Shu'ba, he was actually the personal bodyguard of the Prophet Muhammad when the Prophet would be meeting with people, Mughira would always be standing next to him with his hand on his sword, ready in case anyone dares try to attack the Prophet So Mughira bin Shu'bah had that honor of being one of the personal bodyguards of the Prophet So now Umar sends this support from Medina under Mughira ibn Shu'bah And finally the army, they reached Nahawand. They reached Nahawand and they started making their preparations for battle against Yazdajard and the Persian army at Nahawan. And inshallah, next week we will speak about the battle of Nahawan bi idnillah. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullahu khaira wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.